Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional owners of the land that we make this podcast. And I extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that are listening to this episode. Yama. Also, before we get into it, I just want to flag that we're touching generally on toxic relationships uh, and not so much domestic violence or abuse. If you are experiencing domestic violence or abuse, please call 1-800-RESPECT. Hello, I'm Raddy Walden, podcaster, writer, TV host, and you might have even heard me talk about sex before, but this is Talking Frank. This podcast will cover every nook and cranny of Australia's sex lives, from the head spins of modern dating, to unexpected fluids, to STI checks. We're going to cover it all. For this episode, I wanted to talk about unhealthy relationships. We often hear the term unhealthy relationship, but what does it actually mean? How do you know if you're in one? And what can you do? Come on, let's be frank about it. I'm here today with our guest, Helen Chick. Helen, hello. Hi. Helen's the author of Sex, Swipes and Other Stories. In the book, she details her own hilarious mishaps and gives advice on navigating the modern dating world. She's pretty much Australia's answer to Carrie Bradshaw mixed in with a bit of Samantha Jones. Mm -hmm. And the shopping addiction too. (laughs) So Helen, we had this story sent in by a young woman, um, which is about her sort of unhealthy relationships. Take a listen. Okay. I had a couple uh, unhealthy relationships, but they've been mainly emotionally unhealthy. Uh, Could be on both parts of us. Honestly, definitely on both parts of us. Uh, We're both too young. We both didn't respect each other enough. Um, I feel like that's very healthy already to be like, we were both unhealthy. Right. Like that's good foresight. Self-aware. Self-awareness, yeah. Also, I don't think that being too young is an unhealthy thing. Uh, I mean, if she has the awareness to call out the fact that she is young and probably hasn't gone through enough of the experiences to learn, that's a good sense of awareness. But we are all young at some point. And we all have to go through it. Nobody's born with the wisdom of, you know, the Dalai Lama, you know, right in, <laughs> from the get-go. And just because you've had one either healthy or unhealthy relationship doesn't mean that you'll go through the exact same things with the next person. Well, that, so you might still be young with them in terms of, like, dating knowledge. Yeah, but also, yeah, that depends on the self-awareness piece, whether or not you take it into the next relationship, right? Because some people do actually take the same baggage or mistakes into the relationships that they go on for the next couple of, I don't know, for the rest of their lives, depending on how Mm. much self-awareness they have. All right, let's keep going. Like specifically a person that never respected me enough to call me a partner or a girlfriend or anything. Okay, yeah. I like how you both just, you go go first. Wait, never, well, what did they call you? Well, I feel like this is a common thing and I, look, I'll be the first to admit it, I've been guilty of this before where you're like, haven't felt uh, I guess the confidence in yourself to be like, oh, yeah, I'm dating someone. But it is definitely a red flag. Oh, 100%. But what, I'd like to hear how long they'd been dating when she's still like this person hasn't had the, had the you know, the, the drive to actually call them a partner. What if it what, was like what, a couple months? Is that too soon? No. How, I, don't th- I don't think it's too soon. How quickly can you call someone your boyfriend or girlfriend or partner? Well, there's no, there's no set timeline, I don't think. I don't believe there's a set timeline. It's whether or, it's just a feeling that you know. I mean, if it feels comfortable and it feels right and you're both not, you know, seeing anybody else or have any intentions of seeing anyone else, it could happen, you know, after a month. It could happen after two months. But In the same breath, though, it could be a year until you feel... 
Oh, that's that's a really it's long too time. Long. That's too long. Okay. Okay. Well, le- okay. I would say if you've gone on a few dates and spent a quite a decent amount of time with someone, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to just say, "Hey, I would like to see where this is going. I'm not seeing anybody else, and I are you seeing anyone else?" And just have that. That's chat. the worst conversation, though, isn't it? Because they go. Yeah, I, I am. am. And then it's like, but then, but that's <laughs> necessary though. Then you're suddenly at holy moly crying <laughs> on your fourth date. <laughs> because, because, <laughs> because, but then, I mean, my, my next question would have been like, was it clear that what you guys are after, like did that conversation come yeah. early on in the piece? Yeah. Should we keep listening? Yeah, yeah. We might find out. In any of that vein, um, he would constantly tell me I'm more than a fling or more than a hookup and go on dates and treat me as if I was a partner but never gave me the label or the respect of one. Uh, It felt as if I was a plaything and only there when he wanted me to be. Unfortunately, it was a very unhealthy breakup. I wouldn't say breakup, but just it deteriorated in a very unhealthy way. He ended up blocking me or just saying that I was a terrible person and stuff like that for just trying to get some answers. And obviously, because when you're in a situation for months to a year, two years, you kind of don't realise that you are deteriorating so slowly. And It was two years. Jesus. That's too, that's, too, years. that's too long. It's way too long, even by my standards. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, two years is like, that's a long time to waste on somebody who can't even acknowledge if you're a partner or not. Yeah, also. I'm also really impatient, so I think I would, if after like three months and you still can't muster up the, the courage to be like, yeah, you're my partner or yeah, I'd be like, see you later. Also, if someone said the word more than a fling to me, I'd be like, ugh, I'm out. More than a fling. Yeah, why so are you So what's saying? more than a fling and then uh, less, less of than a, a partner? Yeah, yeah. What's that? That's a situationship. I feel bad for her. She even said that it was a, uh, an unhealthy end. But the Just fact that the, he blocked her, but he was always calling Oh, I know. That shots. means, you know, he, he knew that he was guilty for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you feel the need to block someone? Yeah. Maybe I, he I don't did understand. have someone else. Potentially. Well, he probably, like, the only reason why you're not committing to someone is because you, you think you can do better mm. or you want to keep, you know, those options always open for yourself. That's the only reason why. You don't want to, you don't want to have this person hamper your freedom which then I'm like, well, you, you should just be honest. Yeah, be single. Be like, oh, yeah, you can just be like, look, I'm not looking for anything. Mm. You don't have to say to somebody, oh, you're more than a fling. It gives people the false hope that you could become something yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, that there's something down the road between yeah. the two of you. If, yeah. you. if you stick it out long enough with me, it may change. Yeah. But it yeah. doesn't. That's like a really bad movie, though. We like right? started off shit. I'll just see it through to the end. Right. Once you've You're committed, still disappointed at the end when the credits are rolling. But then she's probably thinking after six months, well, I've stuck it out for this long. Maybe it'll change in Maybe. another month's time. And then you have the same recurring, like conversation in your head in perpetuity until he then decides. You know what? You are now trying to push this thing onto me that I don't want to commit to. And it never changes. No. All right. Let's hear the end. Uh, I wasn't the healthiest in the way that I was like, I deserve to have some answers and all of that. But the way he, he made me feel like as if I was insane. And hindsight is very 2020. Um, and it made me realize that I needed to get out of there. And I needed to get out of there a lot sooner than I did. But you can only realize when you do. I feel like she has great. Uh, she's the person that's come out of this more than a fling on top. Being able to be like, I wasn't the healthiest either because I should have had more respect for myself. Agreed. But the guy's just gone block and moved on and probably doing the exact same thing to the other person. Yeah, I think she definitely has learned a lot 
by the sounds of it from this from this relationship, right? And, and, <laughs> in air quotations. And, and, right, in air quotations that, you know, she's not going to go for that in the future and if she finds herself, she'll see the warning signs way sooner than she did, mm. hopefully within a couple of months. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we crack on to the interview? Mm-hmm. I say interview, but it's more of a chat. I don't yeah. want to get you like scared now that you've prepared. prepared I have like questions. all my job. I was sitting in my car outside. I was like, "Yep, got to prep some notes." How long were you sitting in the car out there? Probably the half an hour, just like no. going through the questions, going, "Okay, just be prepared. At least don't feel like a you know deer in headlights." I think something I forgot to ask you in the beginning: What is an unhealthy relationship? Do you have a definition for it? Oh. What is an unhealthy? Okay. Well, if you're constantly, it's uncertainty. If you're constantly wondering where you stand in the relationship or um, this person leaves you feeling with a sense of low self-worth or like you feel like shit being around this person, this person doesn't inspire you to be better. That's that's my definition of a bad relationship. Mm. Amazing. Well, let, like let's start with your book. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about it. What inspired it? Well, it's a hybrid book between my dating memoir and my dating how-to textbook almost. It, it, it actually looks like a textbook because it's, it's very huge. thick. It's very <laughs> thick. <laughs> it looks like a high school textbook. I know. I, Are um, there pictures? Yes, there's oh, illustrations oh, and colours and, you know, breakout boxes. You know, I've tried to make it interesting so it doesn't feel like a textbook, but, you know, it should be entertaining enough that it won't be. But what inspired it was it focuses on online dating. So mm. I've been online dating since I was 18 years old and I'm, let's just say, not a spring chicken anymore. So (laughs) I've been around for a while and this was before Tinder was a thing. And when I found myself um, going through my second separation, so facing, you know, the second divorce, I threw myself back into the dating pool pretty much almost immediately Mm. and had all these stories that just kept accumulating from, you know, either good dates, tragic dates. And whenever I told friends about any of them, they were like, you should either do a start a podcast or you should write about it. And so I decided to write a book. And, and then I think, um, at the start of the last lockdown, I got sick of being knocked back by publishers, uh, not believing in the concept and not Mm. thinking that it would be a book that's worth people reading, which I thought was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so I backed myself and just decided to self-publish. Bloody hell. Yeah. After like two separations and what I can only imagine being the worst Tinder dates in the world. Oh, Tinder. Well, it's not like exclusive to Tinder. I think there's always, you know, the chance of getting bad dates on all the apps. Oh, for sure. And you see some of the same faces. Preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) And... Can you tell me a little bit about your separations? Were they because of unhealthy relationships or? Yes. I mean, the first divorce was purely, to be quite frank, I didn't want to get married both times. Mm. And it was more from a family perspective that I was always pressured to kind of conform to let's get married, let's have children, let's, you know, the whole white picket fence story. And the first marriage was way too quick. It was like a whirlwind romance that I got pushed into by my family. Mm. Uh, By the time I had realised this was not going to work, we were already walking down the aisle and it was too late. And I think, yeah, six months after, you know, the wedding, I realised I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life, you know, miserable. So I left it. Um, And... 
yes, we were unhealthy, but I think I, I recognised it quite soon that it wasn't, it didn't have any lasting effects on me. At mm. least I don't think, I don't look back on, on it and go, oh, you know, that was really traumatic. I'm just glad I, I pulled the plug when I did. Um, and the second was because I think we had also uh, fallen into the trap. We had fallen pregnant and stayed together thinking that, you know, the pregnancy would uh, fix all our relationship problems, but it did for like, I don't know, maybe two months. Mm. And then like anything, it was a Band-Aid solution and the Band-Aid started, you know, coming off and it just... It started getting crusty around the edges. Yep. And then I think after, you know, the birth, babies either make or break your relationship. There's no happy medium in the middle. It's you either grow stronger as a couple, I, I think, or you break mm. and we broke. So that was, that's pretty much what happened with the second marriage. It sounds like you're identifying these things pretty early on. Are there, mm-hmm. are there anything in your experience, like from the get go that you are like, okay, these are red flags. This is not going to work. From dating or when you're in the relationship? Cause it, I feel like uh, it's hard to spot the things once you're deep into the relationship. But I think now that I've come out of two marriages, and then been single for three and a half years before I found my current partner, you see red flags so much quicker mm. than, you know. Right, than if you were just trying to spot them all dating. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm so, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so red flags. So my, my biggest red flag, which is also conversely the biggest green flag when somebody can show it, is inconsistency. So inconsistency is the red flag and consistency is the green flag, okay. right? So when somebody is inconsistent in the way they communicate or try, uh, they interact with you at the start of your relationship or not relationships or the start of your interactions, it's pretty much uh, an insight into what you can expect in the future with them. Mm. So for me, when I have somebody who can, I can comfortably expect them to touch base with me, you know, once a day, it doesn't have to be like an, oh, like crazy, you know, texting battle, but just to touch base, it's a good feeling to, to, to have, you yeah. know, you're on, you, you know, that you're on somebody's like, you know, on top of their mind, they want to talk to you, you know, where you stand versus somebody who might come on hot for one day and then disappear for a week and then try and slip back in. It's not a nice feeling. Mm. It's like, where do I stand? What are we doing here? So yeah. that's that's a massive red flag for me. People who become overly familiar right at the start and try and progress the relationship too quick is also another red flag for me. So kind of like the love bombing concept that yeah. we saw in Tinder Swindler where they're just like, baby, you know, you're everything I can see, you know, uh, my whole life with you. That to me, oh my God, I could not run away from that faster <laughs> because it's just, it's too much. It's way too much. But, but but some people fall prey to it and a case in point, Tinder swindler. Do you think though that there's like, I mean, not in that example, but do you think that there's ever been situations where you're like, you almost fall into that yourself because you like fantasize about it and then you maybe being the love bomber get into it and you're like, oh, hold on actually, I misjudged this whole situation. They're not the person I thought. Am I just trying to give credit to him? Maybe. Ma- oh, have I Have I ever been a love bomber? Or you know how you sort of, you might dive too far in and then you're like, I'm in here now and I it, the pool wasn't what I thought it was. The water's much colder. <laughs> I mean, you can be keen without having to do all of, you know, the giving all the those grand gestures to someone. Mm. You can be keen and want to spend time with them and see them, but to tell somebody that they're the love of your, love of your life and you see a whole entire future, that's just too... Yeah, far. Yeah, it's too quick. <laughs> um, and so for me, I don't think I've 
ever been somebody to love bomb someone and if I see somebody giving me the signs of, you know, they're, they're kind of moving towards that, I tend to pull out. You're tapping out. Yeah. Wow. All mm-hmm. right, what else have you got? Uh, other red flags. Um, I'm, so pump, I'm pumping you for all the information because that book is very thick. I know you've got a lot. I know. There's, <laughs> you've there's, got some handy information we there's, need. There's heaps of things really. I mean, I think from an online perspective, if you're just looking at someone f- before you've even met with them, I think – the way you text and how if somebody's overly sexual or mm. they keep the conversations always very top line, it's never you never really venture very deep into you know um, beyond how's your day. Yeah, yeah, beyond how's your day or you know uh, what do you do on the weekend? You know that's just so boring and mm. and cliche. That's that's a red flag to me. Somebody who uh, speaking on the date for me. A big red flag is if they're you can't even lock them down for a first date, and it's and it's just it drags on, and they're trying to basically prolong the pen pal status. Mm. And in my opinion, if you match with someone on a dating app, or let's just say you meet someone at an, a club, or you know on a night out with friends, and if you don't follow up with a first date within, I would say, ten days max you're probably never going to see them. <laughs> Unless there's extenuating, like, circumstances of someone's going overseas or, you know, uh, yeah, going right. away, then, yes, that's understandable. But, again, then you run the risk of, you know, you lose your momentum. Mm. And that momentum is so key, especially because we have so many options available to us these days that once you lose that momentum, it's you're on to the next thing. Mm. Our attention span is so short and... You know, if you don't meet in ten days, it's yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. It's over. Yeah, and you're dancing, and you're dancing. It's not. It's, it's over. It's just you snooze, you lose. And what about when you're um, when you've been with someone for a long time? Were there any flags for you that were you like, this is going downhill? I think I was in a very similar situation to our uh, our voice memo girl. Um, I, mm. I don't know her name, so you know, I'm just going to call her that. Uh, where I was also in. A situationship, but obviously only for really two months mm. before I realised I was in that situation because this person had given all the signs we're doing everything as a couple, but just couldn't have the conversation. And I hadn't even wanted to put a label. I just wanted to know whether or not we were seeing other people. Yeah. And just understand from that perspective. And then that person absolutely choked. We had done everything like signalling that we were going into a, a relationship. But then he basically told me that he's like, I don't mind going on the dates and doing all the coupley things. I just don't want the label. And for me, I, I was like, well, you didn't really make this clear from the start. I was fairly clear that I had been single for a really long time Mm. and I was looking for something, you know, with substance. And then, yeah, so that was a huge red flag for me. You know, this person clearly had either some sort of emotional trauma that he hadn't worked through and he was having a bit of a midlife crisis and I had to just move on from that. But I also think that, like, a relationship without the label is still a relationship. Yeah. Call it whatever you want. You were still dating. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even that I wanted the label to, uh, you know, have the privilege no, of, like, he's my just, boyfriend or no, man yeah, friend yeah, or yeah. whatever. But, but even but to just acknowledge it between the two of you. Yeah. yeah. It's, just a, it's just a private acknowledgement that we are not seeing other people. Mm. It's just a, a respect thing where you're like, okay, I don't intend on seeing anyone else and it's also it's just to have that understanding going forward. Yeah. You said earlier something about inconsistency mm. and I, I wrote a little note. Yeah. Um, 
Do you think it's a red flag when you are chatting to someone on an app, which is like how mm. most of us are dating yep. these days, mm-hmm. like that you know that it's going to end when the chat slows down? It's like, okay, hold on, I can feel them backing away purely through the art of text messaging. Oh, yeah, there's like it's you can tell instantly. I mean, I laugh because I can always tell with my current partner when we're pissy at each other because, you know, the short the texts become short and blunt and yeah. we tend to punctuate very well, you know, with a full stop just I love, to indicate. I love that grammar's your indication <laughs> yeah, of yeah, being mad right. at someone. So it's like, yes, full stop, you know, where as opposed to just a yeah, you know, we, yeah. we can really, you know, tell when we're trying to be very uh concise and blunt to each other. <laughs> But from a texting perspective, when you're initially dating, yes, absolutely, because, you know, you'll go, you'll notice a significant change in the the, the frequency or volume yeah. of the texts and how friendly they are. And, you know, sometimes it could be because they're having a bad day and it's stressful and they're busy and whatnot. Sure. But if it's happening, you know, like for let's just say over a couple of days, you just know that they're losing interest. Isn't it funny, though, that, like, it's so obvious Yes. Like it's just, you know, even whether that's conscious or unconscious to be doing that to people or having that be done to you, it's like it's so obvious what's happening. It's it's obvious and then sometimes and when you, you call ju- people out, they're like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah, like well, you could have just said, hey, you know what, I'm not feeling this anymore. Instead you've taken three days and made the other person feel like an asshole. Yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe I'm projecting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems that sometimes when people are in unhealthy relationships that it's obvious to everyone around them mm-hmm. but not necessarily you. Mm-hmm. What do you think that is? Is that like rose-tinted glasses? I've had many friends who have been in unhealthy relationships and you could literally talk till their ears bleed about why it's so unhealthy mm. but they just don't listen or they choose not to take any of the advice you give them. But mainly because I think... Self-esteem is another is and self-worth is a big part that plays into those unhealthy toxic relationships. So if you have a low self-worth, you think that what you're getting in this relationship is all that you deserve. Or you think that, you know, if I left this relationship, I'm never going to get somebody or you're just scared of being alone. Yeah. That's a big part of why people stay in those relationships because they're scared of venturing out into the big bad world of dating and going on these tragic dates and whatnot and wandering, you know, aimlessly through, you know, the dating terrain, <laughs> the jungle out there. Uh, but that's a big part of it because the people are just too scared. They can't imagine themselves finding a relationship that's healthy or better, you know, better suited to mm. them. Another thing would be how you grow up and what you witness as a child is a big part as well. So if you're if you've grown up in a household and your parents are constantly hurling abuse or kitchen appliances at each other's heads, you're conditioned to think that that's, that's what it is. Yeah. What a relationship should look like, right? Because yeah. you know no better. Or if you've not been in a healthy relationship, you have no comparison. Mm. You have no baseline to to kind of compare, you know, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. To in your in your circumstances, you think that somebody gaslighting you all the time or you uh, having explosive fights where, you know, things get abusive emotionally or physically is normal. And that's just that in your opinion is is passion. They they delude themselves into thinking that that's what a true relationship should look like. Yeah, I think there's also like some stigma around it as well for a lot of people who are like, 
I can't be single. Like success to them is being in a relationship mm-hmm. or having, mm-hmm. you know, someone to meet those life milestones with. Yeah. And I think that holds a lot of people back from potentially getting out of unhealthy relationships. Correct. Because we have a lot of like my, my marriages, for example, just, you know, family pressures or societal pressures, right? Where we're constantly being conditioned that we need to find you know, our, our significant other or our little, our soulmate or whatever it is you want to call it, Mm. um, to do everything in life with. And you know, that's, that's a whole other topic in itself, why we choose to conform to those, to those beliefs. But from the staying in the toxic relationship perspective, the other thing I was going to mention is also people also, um, in those situations, they look on the brighter side of things. It's almost like toxic positivity, right? Mm. Like you, you try and block out all the, the negative aspects of your partner and then you attribute baseline positive traits, which should be, just be a baseline, you know, the decent, bare minimum, your bare minimum, bare minimum. like requirements. Yeah. It's, it's something that most decent human beings should be fulfilling. Yeah. And or the, the opposite, they're like really stupid little acts. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but he brings me coffee every morning. It's like, Great. cool, get a butler. Get a butler. <laughs> like. Or your best if, friend if or that, your work yeah, bestie could do the same thing. If that's thing. what you want from a partner, then that's like. It's just not, yeah. the, it's not the same. It's just baseline um, things it's that you feel. It's just being a nice person. So I feel like that's also another thing. They just delude themselves into thinking I have it good or they think, oh, I could be w- way worse off. At least this person isn't hitting me over the head with a baseball bat, you know? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, thank God, right? <laughs> like it's just they, they they just kind of go, well, I, at least it's not that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But you also have all of these other toxic things that you're neglecting you're to, neglect- adro- to acknowledge. Address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Bizarre. Um, you mentioned earlier about like talking to your friends about their unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that we can support friends that are going through it or maybe encourage them to... Uh, leave to, or, or to reassess. Reassess. That's yeah. a better word. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been, uh, I, this has been a learning curve for me over the years. Um, having had a friend who stayed in a toxic relationship, mm. I don't know, th- uh, four years too long. And at the time I've had to learn, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who tries, who comes on quite strong when I give advice and it's like, you need to, you must leave this person because oh, they're same. just, you know. And then and I'm like two months down the track and I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. And, and, but then yeah, also, yeah, cause they stay, they stay, they're still together. Yeah. And then it becomes very awkward because you go on this boyfriend bashing rampage yeah. and, and then your friend gets nervous about inviting you all out to, you know, the same. Because like, they know that you don't like them or approve of them. Yeah. So the thing that I've learned now is that you've, got to just whilst yes they're your friend it's hard to be neutral and sit in you know Switzerland and and not have an opinion I think the best or the easiest way of approaching when giving that sort of advice is to talk about your own experience and then what you've done and I find people in those circumstances it's almost like they're trying to fight against you it's like they can't recognize that what staying in this relationship is bad for their own well-being but the fact that you're being so combative they want to push against yeah something even though it's well, they not just in their wanna, best interest. They're just trying to convince themselves that they're right. Yeah, yeah. right. They get dis- I defensive. That, I think it's in any conflict yes. or confrontation, sorry. Yeah. But it's interesting when it comes to relationships because people, you're right, people get very like 
no, no, no. Yeah. Jason's a great guy. And it's yeah. like he might be, but he hits you or, yeah. you know, or like he's cheating on you. Yeah, he provides for me, you know, and this they get defensive and they shouldn't be defensive with you because you're a friend and you're only looking out for their well-being. But they just, it's like almost instinctive that they need to defend their choices, mm. their um, poor choices, mm. let's just say. But I think the best way to support the friend is to obviously listen and only provide advice, I would say, from your own experience and what you've done and what you've learned. I think that's the best way of approaching it. Mm. And then just being there to, to listen. But I, I also got into the circumstance where after four years, you get a bit, it's like you sound like a broken record after that long. And so it, it got to a point for me where I had to tell this friend, I'm like, look, I feel like you've bled me dry of like my, like the advice or like things that I can offer you. I can listen, but it's literally the same conversation over and over again on and repeat. You, and you haven't listened. Yeah. And we're just in this circle again of like. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's perpetual. Like four years is a long time to, to constantly be listening to somebody. God, four years is a long time to stay in an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. And that's the other thing. A lot of people stay in these relationships because they play into this idea that they're like, oh, well, but I've already wasted I've, I've already spent four years on this person. I've invested this time mm. and for it to amount to nothing. Mm. But in my eyes, it, it's, it's a sunk cost, you know. Don't keep sinking more money into this investment that's going to yield no return for you later down the track. I think I finally understood Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> 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 oh, I agree. It's like get out while you can. Yeah, recoup and don't look any, back. Yeah. Well, you can't recoup. That's that's pretty much time is the only thing that you can't recover, mm. right? It makes no sense to me to then dwell and throw more time in something that you can't recover. Yeah, take into, the life lessons yeah. and get going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say all of this. I agree, yes. Uh, while sitting at this table and, mm-hmm. you know, not being in... Um, an unhealthy relationship, but is it just friends that you turn to or are there, were there people, other services that you found yourself turning to or getting advice from? Because I always go to Google, but that's obviously not a good. As in like all the, the, the articles from like yeah. Bustle and Cosmo, exactly. Glamour, all which, those, you know. Which have no nuance to them yeah. or, yeah. you know, uh, understand your unique situation at all. I think finding a, th- a good therapist is always a um, a good start. Like I worked a lot on myself last year, I was finishing up the manuscript. I needed to do a lot of introspection into all the previous, you know, relationships or like da- like you know dating experiences that I've had. So the therapy really helped me. And also, you just feel sometimes I feel like when you talk to friends, you still aren't completely honest mm. because you still want to uphold your image in their eyes. So you may omit parts of like what you're truly thinking or feeling or what you've done Mm. and you feel like you can't be entirely honest. But whereas if you go to a therapist, it's just, you know. They don't know know you. you. Yeah, Yeah, they don't know you from a bar of soap. So just just go ham. Yeah. All Um, the deepest, darkest (laughs) thoughts you may have. That's their job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What are some of the ways that people could maybe help build their confidence or their self-esteem after an unhealthy relationship? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I... I've just got all the easy questions for you. Yeah. For for me, I think when I came out of my second, second marriage, I had to sit down and identify what was making me upset or what was hampering my self-esteem. And for me, it was, you know, feeling physically fit and good about myself was a big 
thing that fueled um, my self worth. So mm. I had to, you know, focus on getting uh, a healthy, active lifestyle back. And for everybody, it's different, right? Like uh, what works for me may not work for you. And when I found that one passion of mine that I can literally do every day, which was Muay Thai, so Thai kickboxing, you know, I love being, you know, up early in the mornings, getting the crap, you know, beaten out of me or whatever. And, and consensually, consensually, yes, <laughs> of course. And, you know, and feeling really fit and healthy and strong, it built up my confidence over the years. Yeah. And once I found that now it's just integrated into my life. It's something that I'm super passionate about and walking into another relationship I have something that defines me and brings me joy and that's not something I'm about to give up. Uh, so for, from my perspective, when you come out of a relationship, you have to do everything in your power to identify what makes you happy. Have your a couple of weeks where you cry your heart out, but as soon as you know, you've had that moment, you've got to move on. Mm -hmm. You can't just stay in it, but you've got to work out what it is that brings you happiness, whether it be going for trail runs or, you know, yoga, meditation, whatever, whatever fills your cup, find out what it is and then do lots of it. I think that's great advice for people that are coming out of relationships just in general. I also feel like for a lot of people, there's like a period of time where they have to find their identity outside of the the relationship Mm. because like I think for people that end up in long-term relationships there's a lot of shared identity through things that you like doing Mm. together or things that Mm. you discovered together and I think for a lot of people that can be hard Mm. post-relationship to be like okay who am I is it the girl that goes Muay Thai boxing all day Mm -hmm. Um, and I think maybe that's what keeps people in is that they're sort of not confident in who they are anymore. Yeah. But then I would say, you know, if you don't know what it is that brings you passion, you just got to try everything. Book yourself in for a pottery class or, you know, a painting class or uh, a, a samba dancing class. You know, you just don't you just don't know until you try. You either go into that class and you come out and you go, oh, I bloody hated that, don't mm. want to do that again, or you go come out of it going, yes, I love it. And that's pretty much how... I found Muay Thai because I had no idea going into my first class. Ironically, I just was scared out of like out of my mind, just going, what have I signed myself up for? And came out of it going, oh my God, I want to do this every day. Yeah. And so you filled the negative, toxic, bad relationship space with yeah. you know, a good a Something good that brings you joy and happiness. Yeah. And even to this day, when I share videos of me training, I, I'm always smiling. I could be dying quietly on the inside, (laughs) but I'm still smiling through it. That's good. (laughs) Maybe I should take a Muay Thai boxing. If you want to try, come in. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, This will be embarrassing. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll film it and, you know, (laughs) share a little clip of it. (laughs) Uh, All right. So we've talked a lot about all the bad things when it comes to dating, Um, but what are your green flags? You mentioned one earlier. Yeah, consistency. Consistency is a great one. It's a great green flag when you have somebody where you can expect that, you know, after every time you go on a date that they're going to message and, you know, try and organise your next meetup so you know when you're going to see them next rather Mm. than have like a massive question mark hanging above your head. Um, I find people who show genuine interest in what you do and your hobbies and what makes you wake up every morning and have that drive to to pursue your ambitions, that's a massive green flag. People who are supportive of all all of that, Uh, people who are very upfront and honest and have an open mind. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I went back into the dating world, I had basically two divorces and uh, am a single mum 
that I had to share with uh, potential, you know, partners before we went on these dates. Mm. So the open-mindedness piece was a huge part for me, but um, that is a huge green flag. And when you're together, the other thing would be, does time fly? Do you feel comfortable? Do you leave every interaction feeling good and not wonder, like, Mm. you know, uh, whether or not this person likes you. The one thing that I really liked about my current partner was that he had the goal. He told me this when we were actually, what well, we were together, but every time we saw each other, he wanted me to walk away from every interaction together, knowing where he stood and how he felt about me, which was how really cute. nice. It was very, yes, it was, it was really nice. And I'm like, if only every man could approach <sighs> dating like that or every girl, Just clone same him. thing, clone him a hundred times over. <laughs> I think we might need more than 100. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's quite a gap in the pool to fill. Yeah. And it's a lot larger than 100. Um, what's the best relationship advice that you've ever gotten? Uh, I don't think I've, I've received this from this person, but this is something that I read uh, that Will Smith has said about his marriage with Jada. Okay. It's like a, a bit of a controversial. I, I, to, like, I know, I mean, with the whole, you know, Oscars and um, that. But outside of that, something that he said that res- resonated with me was that you can't make a person happy. Like you're not responsible for making another person happy. You mm. have to be responsible for your own happiness. And that was something that was really you know, that really resonated with me because it's a huge burden to put on somebody else. If you're deriving all your happiness and self-worth based on what this other person's giving to you, that's just putting a weight on the other person's shoulders that they don't necessarily need. Yeah. It's unrealistic. They never ask for this. Yeah. Yeah. Unrealistic to expect someone to fulfill that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the best thing is, you know, you have to fill your own, you're responsible for filling your own cup. Mm. And then, you know, they're responsible for theirs and then you come together and enjoy your cups together, your very filled (laughs) cups together, you know? (laughs) Um, And so from all of the women that you've spoken to uh, for your book, was there any story that resonated with you the most? I think the common thread amongst women is that, you know, unfortunately we do have a biological clock and it does tick, but... Because of this, you know, constant idea that they need to settle down and get married and have children, it almost puts an like an unhealthy um, weight on, you yeah. know, the person potential date that they're going on, right? To be that Prince Charming that's going to fulfill all those societal milestones that we put on each other. Mm. And when you have that sort of pressure, it almost it's not it's like it's almost out of like desperation that you want this to work and then you feel the when you come out of that date and it's clearly not the right person, you feel that overwhelming, you know, disappointment of, you know, wow, that wasn't right. We've spent weeks talking and then now we've met and it's I've wasted that time. I think that is a resonating, like, thing that happens. But I've had this chat with a couple of friends where um, I had this one girlfriend, her, she's in her mid-30s feeling that she's, you know, her clock's running out and she still hasn't found a partner and she wants to have children or she said she wanted to have children. But then her sister had just given birth and she'd babysat for a couple of weeks and was like, you know what, I'm actually not sure that it's I want a child me. anymore. <laughs> and, and, you know, really was putting in the work and assessing whether or not that life is even for her. If she's been chasing this thing that this family that she doesn't actually want. Mm. And I think most women need to just 
step outside and and be like, is this life for me? I think that's for anyone though, like men or women. Yeah. Because there's so many, um, it, it doesn't even have to be marriage and children, just the like idea that being in, in a relationship is that thing. Mm-hmm. Like every time I meet someone, they're like, are you seeing anyone? Yeah. Okay. I'm also, I'm really hot and yeah. I'm, maybe I'm wearing a cool shirt. You could ask me about that first. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's like this weird assumption that we need to be dating or need to be seeing someone. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm guilty of asking them, like, are you seeing anyone? But it's more, I think from my perspective, I just want to hear crazy dating stories. Yeah, like that's yeah, that yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. gets me going. And you know, but there's, you know. Always <laughs> yeah. there's always one. There's always one. Amazing. Helen, thank you so it. much for coming in. Excellent. Fist pump. Fist pump. We love that. Awesome. Well, that's another episode of me talking seductively about sex in your ears. You're welcome. And thank you to the young woman who sent in her story and, of course, to Helen for being a part of it. If you want more information, you can go to frank.org.au or give the Family Planning Australia talk line a buzz. And I've even popped some extra information in the show notes below. To be frank, though, I think we should all stop this podcast and go find the thing that fills our cup. Hooroo. Hooroo.